Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian. I'm on the phone with my buddy Ashvin, and today we're talking about Nosferatu from 1922, directed by F.W. Murnau, starring Max Schreck, Gustav von Wangenheim, Greta Schroeder, and I picked this one because it's a classic, and it's one of the earliest horror movies, and it's kind of become my role in the group to choose the old movies, because Ashwin's <laughs> always picking the new ones. Uh, so, Ashwin, how did you handle this one? You know, I gotta tell you, Brian, I've been dreading this one since the moment we started this club. <laughs> uh, I feel like I saw a glimpse of it a long time ago and turned it off like 10 seconds into it once I realized it was like a silent film, and uh, when I saw the graphics, but... Uh, I, I, I gotta give it to you. I'm glad we finally went back and do this, was forced to watch it, so nice, nicely done. It's a different experience watching a silent film, and you saying that, we'll talk about it more later, but I thought the first half of it was harder for me to get through than the second half. I don't know if I just got used to it as I went mm-hmm. or, or what, but it definitely takes a viewer in 2018 some adjustment to watch a silent <laughs> film. Yeah. Especially in the day we are in now where, like, scary movies, like, usually start with, like, a bang and, like, there's a big scare in the beginning that draws you in. Uh, As a silent film, I I don't think this one really had anything up front that pulled you in immediately, right? No, that, this one lacked that. I think that's called the Mm -hmm. hook sometimes. Yeah. Um, It just started with the real estate agent, the lead actor... (laughs) <laughs> who was kind of rough around the edges. And we didn't yeah. see Nosferatu until 20 minutes in. Yeah, yeah. So, d- d- yeah, I feel like definitely with the standards that we have today where you need that hook in the beginning. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm surprised like how well-rated and successful this one still is. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so you had seen this one before? I had. I watched it in college oh, okay. with my roommate like part of an, Scott. Okay, it wasn't like part of an art class or something? No, but... Scott kind of introduced me to artsier things in life in general. <laughs> yeah. And it, I'm surprised this one is like so highly rated from an artistic perspective, given the story is like completely ripped off, right? Yeah, it is a blatant ripoff. And in fact, the production company went bankrupt because they were sued by Bram Stoker's widow. Right. They did, it was just an unauthorized <laughs> retelling of Bram Stoker's 1897 novel, Dracula. Mm-hmm. Which is a great... Have you read that book? No, have you? It's great, yeah. Kelly and is I really? each read it around the same time, and we each loved it. Like, and on your own, or on, on your own free will, or because of school? On our own free will. Wow. <laughs> I have no... I don't go to school. <laughs> um, no, it was like a couple... Uh, it was probably like four years ago. Oh, and it's okay. not like okay. uh, this movie where you kind of have to put yourself back into that time to appreciate it. It was just straight up a good book. Yeah. Okay. Now maybe I'll have to read that sometime. It's yeah. it's not written like in the old English style and hard to understand. Not from what I remember. There may have been a little bit of that, but from what I remember, it was a pretty easy read. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. Uh, the the plot it it is like a, a scene for scene copy or something. No, the movie is definitely different in a lot of ways. Um, I won't reveal too many of those just because we're going to spoil this movie, but I don't think the listeners are prepared for us to spoil a book too. So yeah, it's a bit more complex and there's more characters. Um, Van Helsing as a character 
a prominent character oh. that's not in this one. Yeah. Uh, Who has his own movie franchise, right? Yeah. <laughs> or at least right. one movie, right? Um, maybe. Yeah, at least one. For some reason, I thought there were other ones. With, uh, oh, man, why am I blanking on his name? The guy who plays Wolverine, Hugh Jackman. Oh, I was going to say Kate Beckinsale, but I think that's a whole different franchise. Oh, the Underworld franchise. Maybe Van Helsing's featured in that. I've only seen one of those, and it was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Van Helsing is probably in other movies, too. Sure, yeah. Some kind of superhero. Uh, well, quick plot synopsis. A real estate agent is sent to the remote castle of Count Orlock to sell him a house right across the street from his own. And Count Orlock <laughs> ends up being a pretty creepy dude, obviously, and things go south from there. Uh, Ash, have you ever seen a silent film before? Um, yeah, like a long time ago. Um, well, I guess like the whole Charlie Chaplin series was silent. I, I guess those weren't movies, though. Um, well, actually, maybe one or two of them were movies. I think yeah. the term movie was termed a, was used a bit more loosely then. Mm-hmm. Like three-minute shorts are called movies when oh, they're okay, the okay. first movies. Got it. Then, yeah, they were definitely movies. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've seen that. And, and then I remember there was one like, about a factory and some people working in a factory. Does that sound familiar to you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shoot, I think I even came across that in my research. Yeah, it's a really famous silent uh, movie. Um, I forget what it was. Yeah, but it's have like... You, have you seen any... Like, I feel like it's a German or French film, and the title is just, like, The Workers in yeah. the Factory or something simple yeah, like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was a good one. Silent films, I think, have, have a place. Like, they can be pretty effective, right? Yeah. Kelly and I watched one. We were on this kick where we were trying to watch the American Film Institute's Top 100 Movies. Mm-hmm. And there's one on there called The General with Buster Keaton. I think that's from okay. like 1925 or something. I can't remember. Uh-huh. And it's a silent film and it's a comedy. And it was surprisingly oh. good. Really? Okay. Yeah, I would say it was even easier to watch than this one. Yeah, wow. It's a comedy? Yeah. Okay. And he famously oh. does all his own stunts in it and it's pretty impressive. Ah, oh, that's awesome. They definitely do some stuff where it's like, oh, he could have died. Like, I think this (laughs) scene has been ripped off in other media, too, but there's a scene where he's standing in front of a house, and the entire front of the house falls down on him, but he goes, like, right through the window of it. Wow, and he actually did that? And he was just, yeah, they had to, like, work that out perfectly, otherwise. Oh, my God. (laughs) He would have been crushed. Yeah, he's like a 1920s uh, Jackie Chan or Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Setting some present. And then uh, silent films, uh, did you see The Artist like a, a few years ago? No, I didn't. That was, that was like a, a new film, uh, maybe came out in like 2013 or 14, and it was a silent film, and it was like a romantic story that takes place in Hollywood maybe, but I thought it was a really good throwback to silent films and like what made silent films so successful. Nice. I'll have to check that out. But, yeah, had, had you seen, like, do you know of any other great silent horror films? No, well, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari is, was a year before this, and that's often referenced as, like, the grandfather of modern horror films. Oh, okay. Of Well, of just horror films in general, like, every other movie built on that. Yeah. But Nosferatu is always also mentioned in that role as well. 
as yeah like a hugely like inspirational movie yeah yeah and these weren't the first horror movies um but from what i can tell Mm -hmm. nosferatu seems to be the first feature-length vampire movie oh okay there was like a what we would think of today as like the length of an actual movie Mm -hmm. there was this short film that was like three minutes long i think it was called the house of the devil and it Mm -hmm. depicted a bat like turning into a person i think so that was technically the first vampire movie but it I feel like three minutes long, you can't really count it. <laughs> the whole film was a bat turning into a vampire. <laughs> it was, I think there was a sequence of creepy images for about three minutes. Yeah. I didn't read oh, too okay. much into it, but it was from like 1896. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you never pick that one. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. This is pretty influential then, I guess, uh, the longest film. And, and I think it was one of the first films that had the first uh, original score to it for a silent film. Did, did you see that? I didn't see that. I, I saw that silent films did have scores, but yeah, maybe this was one of the first. Yeah, I know. I was surprised. I, I assumed they all had uh, original scores, but it made me think, yeah, maybe, maybe other ones that were coming out just used... Uh, you know, whatever was on pop radio back then. Yeah, I did see um, that some others used other musical numbers that were kind of in the lexicon then. Yeah, right. And uh, and um, I, I bet even the, the different versions... That, did you watch one on YouTube, or which one did you watch? Yeah, YouTube. How about you? Oh, okay. Yeah, YouTube too, but uh, I, I, I guess, you know, depending on what version of this you watch, there's just like a lot of different interpretations on the music and the original score, it sounds like can't probably isn't around anymore. Yeah. The, the movie we watched, I think had a performance of the original score. It was oh, okay. as it was written that was performed in like 2000 or something like that. I think. I see. Okay. Okay, man. Well, cool. Yeah, so this is the first vampire movie. I'm not sure that there's really any other subgenre tags you could throw on there, <laughs> aside from silent film. Yeah. I, what about, like, a epidemic? Because uh, it touches on, like, the, there's, uh, you know, the plague and people, like, kind of uh, having to stay inside and, and burying their dead bodies. Would, the, would you put this in, like, an epidemic or a virus type of uh, category? Yeah, bravo, man. We squeezed another one out of that. <laughs> yeah. Epidemic, that's what we'll call it. All right. Sounds good. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I think <laughs> this is generally a vampire movie, I guess. And so the origin of vampires, it seems, is closely tied to epidemics like that. It seems mm-hmm. whenever there is a big epidemic in history, people blamed vampires, which was essentially a made-up thing. Yeah. And they would go dig up corpses and destroy the bodies, like remove the heads or drive a stake through the heart. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that's dark. I, and, and I think uh, to avoid, like, a, a dead one turning into a relative, people would, like... Or, sorry, turning into a vampire. Um, they, they would, uh, like, place the corpse upside down. But I even, yeah. I even saw things like they would spill uh, grains of rice around the grave so that if they did wake up as a vampire, vampire they'd be stuck there because they'd have to count all the grains of rice. Yeah, I saw that, too, because grave. somehow in the lore, vampires got the reputation for being, like, OCD. <laughs> Yeah. They'd <laughs> just be like, oh shit, I gotta count all this rice. <laughs> Have you ever seen a vampire movie where they played up that stereotype? No. I feel like something like Dracula Dead and Loving It would have been a good 
way to do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's how they kept like escaping him. They would just like drop a bunch of change or throw some throw some pebbles on the ground. He's got to count them all. Yeah, or if he's like in your bedroom, you just disorganize your sock drawer real quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's that's how you stay safe. Well, strangely enough, man, did you see that this director, F.W. Murnau, his grave was broken into in 2015 and the skull removed? Yeah, yeah. And then they say, like, they found, like, a lot of wax around uh, around there and, like, they assume, like, there's some kind of, like, ceremony that went down around his grave. Yeah, like a cult ceremony with the burning of candles or something like that. Yeah. It's crazy. Pretty um, nuts. I know, I know. He he, and he died like fairly young too, um, so yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe he became a vampire or something. He could have. Possible. Yeah. Um. What uh? What are some like your favorite vampire movies? Good question. I don't think of vampire movies as one of my favorite genres, but mm-hmm. I like Fright Night. The eighties one or the remake? The eighties one. Yeah. Okay. Near Dark was pretty good. Ah, I never saw that. Uh, Lost Boys was decent. I know some, yeah. a lot of people love that movie. Yeah, that was a fun one. Um, yep. There was one I saw as a kid mm-hmm. that haunted my dreams for like an entire year. I was like at a friend's house and saw it too young. His dad was watching it. Yeah. I've been trying to figure out what it was ever since then. I have oh, no man. idea. Ah, oh, man. I wonder this what that is, was. Like, in a pathetic moment, I, like, Facebook Facebook messaged this dude that I haven't talked to in, like, 25 years. And was like, you may not remember this, but... Yeah, but we watched a really scary movie. Yeah. yeah. No it's response. haunted me ever since. Yeah. A for effort, man. That's yeah, what Facebook's good for. Uh, but I, I agree with you. Vampire films generally aren't that uh, scary. And the, the idea of vampires, I mean... Uh, yeah, it's not so scary. It's interesting how in modern times it's kind of been reinvented. Do you, did you see the one a few uh, years ago, A Girl Walks Alone at Night? I think that's that was the title. Yeah, we watched that together. Oh, we did. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, and th- I feel like that, that was a really interesting take it and then light the r- Let the Right One In, which came out like, I don't know, 10, oh, 15 years ago. Yeah, that was great. That deserves yeah. a mention. And I think what made those really good is that they're really like uh, focused on the character at the center of it, or like a character that's really close to the vampire. And uh, it, it, it's not necessarily like big scare scenes or anything like that, but more just like the general creepiness of it. Uh, yeah, those which, were like dramas. Yeah, exactly. And love stories yeah. to a degree. Yeah, there's that's some, one thing interesting thing about vampires versus like a lot of the other monsters uh, that we see like. There's something kind of romantic about vampires, I guess, that they're they're putting that light. Um, yeah. I don't know, yeah. Some kind of dark romanticism, I think it was a term that they used a few times in Nosferatu. The That's a term I use a lot to describe you. To describe me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> there was a movie, or no, there was a novel before Bram Stoker's Dracula... I don't think I wrote this down. I can't remember what it was called, but it kind of started the whole suave, charming vampire thing. Oh. It was, and, it was, you said it was before Nosferatu? Yeah. Bef- no, before... Oh, okay. Yeah, before Nosferatu, but it was a novel before Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And then Dracula kind of went the other way, as making him this hideous ghoul. Yeah. 
Right. Uh, and we should say that they did make a movie called Bram Stoker's Dracula with Keanu right. Reeves and Gary Oldman. Yeah, how was that one? It was decent. Yep. I never saw it. And then they Dracula. they remade this movie. They remade Nosferatu in 1979. Mm-hmm. Movie called Nosferatu. Wait, what was it called? I've lost it. Yeah, Nosferatu like... the Vampire. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's also a movie from 2000 with Willem Dafoe that's a fictionalized depiction of the filming of this movie. Oh, oh, okay. I wow, did that see that. Cool. That's actually pretty good. Yeah. That so it's got like the, the Max Shrek character in there. It's like yeah, like the Willem Dafoe plays Max Shrek. Oh, cool. I could see that. For that sure. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see this movie, uh, An Interview with the Vampire? I saw it when I was pretty young. I remember not yeah. really loving it. How about you? Yeah, I, I feel like I've, I've, I remember like bits and parts of it when I, when I was younger, but I, I don't know if that's what, that one's worth a rewatch or not, but I feel like that got a lot of good uh, credit or attention as a vampire film. Yeah, I feel like at the time it did. I feel like looking back on it, people aren't necessarily as excited yeah. about it because it doesn't get much mentions. Yeah, many mentions these days. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely been forgotten in there. Um, and then you have all these TV shows now, like uh, Twilight, which it wasn't Twilight Vampires. Twilight's Vampires, but that's movies, books, and movies. Uh, oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's the TV show. Yeah, you're right. And then, oh sorry, the TV show I meant uh, True Blood. That, yeah, there's that one. That's that's vampires. I think there's one called Vampire Diaries too. Oh yeah. I think we're <laughs> out of that phase, but vampires were very in, in yeah. for a while. Yeah, like early 2010s or yeah. Uh, I, I think they they really hit on like the emo aspect of it. For sure. Yeah. Isn't Buffy the Vampire Slayer all about vampires too? Well, I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. People love that show. Yeah, yeah. That was and in I, the I think 90s, that, I think. I think it got rebooted, right? It's it's on, like, MTV now or something. Is it? That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not as good as the original. It's no Sarah Jessica Parker or anything. Oh, not Sarah Jessica Parker. Which, who, uh... Sarah Michelle Gellar. Was, that's it, thanks. Another three named... <laughs> yeah, Sarah. Wait, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. What is the monster that's really in right now? Yeah, uh, I would, I would almost guess zombies given like Walking Dead, um, and like all these movies that are popping up on Netflix. I feel like zombies are kind of trending these days. And you I have, like, feel all like, these, like zombies zombie are kind of like on the downswing though. I feel like zombies hit around the first season of Walking Dead. That was like right at the top of that craze. Yeah. Yeah. And, like Zombieland came out. Yeah. Right. Zombieland. Right. 28 Days yeah. Later had come out a bit before, a few years before that. Yeah, and maybe you're Shaun right. Maybe it's, Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, maybe it's tapering off. But then what, what do you think is taking its place? I don't know, man. Maybe just supernatural stuff. Yeah, with like the paranormal and the conjurings. Um, yeah. Uh, American Horror Story, I guess. Uh, yeah, like more yeah. poltergeist type stuff. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, did you also see that there, it looks like there are two remakes of Nosferatu coming out next year. There are two coming out next year? I, I, I saw the one with the guy from The Witch doing it, but what's the other one? 
Yeah, Robert Eggers, who directed The Witch, is going to do one, supposedly. And then a dude named David Lee Fisher mm-hmm. is doing one. And he did... Wow. He remade Cabinet of Dr. Caligari in 2005. Okay. Yeah, I don't think I saw that one. So, yeah, we'll see. I would, I would, I would see those. So, there are going to be two Nosferatus next year? Yeah, I'd mostly be interested in the one from the guy that did The Witch. Yeah. That just seems like a huge uh, mistake. Like, I mean, obviously they each know that the other one's putting out one. But why would you, yeah, hit, hit the world with two of the same movie in one year? Yeah. Yeah, that's a little rough. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I agree. I'm excited to see what the witch guy does. with. That. I could see him uh, making this pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, any other background you want to get in before I make a Northeast Ohio connection? Oh man, I'm excited for your uh, North East or North Ohio or just Ohio in general connection. Um, no, I th- I, th- I think uh, we hit on like all the interesting stuff here. I, c- I couldn't figure out the the budget for this. Um, and I, uh, I did. Did you see anything about that? I, I know they only had like one camera, so it sounds like it was pretty low cost. But did did you find anything on that? I forgot to check on the budget. Um, I didn't. I didn't see that. They did only have one okay. camera. Yeah. And uh, so the, the original was in German, so I'm, I'm guessing the words that you see because uh, throughout the film, because when I watched it, I thought it was actually a you know an American film with uh, a German title, but I imagine that that's been translated probably. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that seems like a safe guess. Uh, okay, uh, no, <laughs> nothing else from my end. Cool. Uh, well, this one actually was super easy for me and might be slightly disappointing to you, but Great Lakes Brewery in mm. Cleveland, Ohio, has a seasonal in the fall named Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you had it? I have. I think if I had to pick a favorite beer, this is it. Uh, favorite beer of Great Lakes or favorite beer in general? In general, period. I look forward to it ba- every year. Based on taste or the name? Taste. Wow. It's like a, what is it, like a pumpkin spice beer or something? It's an Imperial Red Ale. Okay. Wow. I think they just right. named it because of the bright red color. Yeah. All right. Well, if, if you're in Ohio this fall, maybe I'll have to come uh, get, get, get you and we'll head up to Great Lakes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's also a band from Ohio with you, uh, called Nosferatu. I think. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, just trying to one up you, but I think the great some competition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to catch up here. Did you know uh, that one nice. of those band members drank a Nosferatu in the fall of 2016 <laughs> on stage? What? Really? No, I made that up. Uh, <laughs> uh, shoot, I thought you had me there. <laughs> While being bit by a vampire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and selling a house across the street from him. Yeah. Uh, okay, man. Well, should we take a quick break before we get into the plot? Sounds good. Cool. This is a good opportunity for me to go meet the new neighbor who just moved in across the street. So Kelly and I are going to go introduce ourselves. Sounds good. All right. Cool. We'll be right back, everybody.
Okay, we're back. Great. How's the new neighbor? You know, he seemed nice enough. He had really long nails, and I felt like he kept staring at my neck. Wow, man. I guess he, that gives you some good ideas for, like, uh, housewarming presents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a nail cutter. Just a bunch of pictures of my neck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. some nail clippers. Yeah. Some people are just into that, you know. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... To frame this up, if you've never seen a silent film before, as Ashvin alluded to, there are intermittent clips of just text on the screen to A, narrate what's happening, and B, sometimes serve as dialogue. Um, but there still isn't too much dialogue in this movie. Mm-hmm. And the rough thing about all that is that actors in the silent film era for the most part, really overacted because there weren't as many close-ups and they were used to performing on the stage. So there wasn't much nuance to performance, Yeah, it seems, from what I've read and what I saw in this movie. Yeah, like you mean so they, had, they had to immediately, be like really... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, like they have to be like really expressive or something? Yeah, like yeah. expressive and over the top. Oh, yeah, okay. So, like, if you're sad, you almost look like a clown who's pretending to be sad. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I, and I felt like this dude, Hutter, the main character, when he was happy, he, like, looked like a toddler who yeah. just had, like, a quarter pulled out of his ear for the first time. Yeah. It kind of gives it, like, a, a cartoonish feel, because, like, yeah, these characters are so expressive in their acting, and they're such, like, extremes. Like, yeah, when he was happy, he's, like, jumping up and down, and... Like, moving around really fast, and it's, it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so the story takes place in 1838, and this dude, Hutter, gets sent by his boss to close a real estate deal with Count Orlock. His boss is named Nock, and Nock looks way too happy about this deal. <laughs> you kind of get the vibe that maybe he's up to something. Well, like, he gets, like, this uh, note, right? Uh, and, and it's, like, all just, like, symbols, and he's, like, reading it. Yeah, it's a note, like, written in hieroglyphics. I couldn't really make sense of that. <laughs> yeah. I I was just guessing, like, maybe that's how vampires wrote back then, in, like, these, uh, yeah, symbols and stuff, so, like, no one could decode it on the way, and, like, Nock was yeah. the only guy that, that could do it. Vampire code? Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um... Okay, so these two guys are overacting as they discuss the possibility of Hutter going out there to seal the deal with Count Orlock. Mm-hmm. And so Hutter's going to make this trip, and he has his wife, Ellen, stay with some friends while he's gone. Yeah. Do you remember, um, the, so so the, the way Nock, like really like, gets Hutter really excited about this is uh, he's like, you know, you're going to have to, it's, it's, you're gonna have to give some, like, you know, sweat and, and blood, and he, like, kind of giggles to himself, like, you know, you're going to give blood and... Uh, Hunter doesn't realize that's literal, but then he's like, you're going to go to the land of thieves and ghosts, uh, to meet this guy. And Hunter like, just looked really excited to go to this land of thieves and ghosts. Did you, did you get that? Yeah. I don't know what that was about. If there was just a lot of like folklore about Transylvania yeah. in Germany or, or what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like some mythical place that he was just really excited to go to. And, and yeah. I, th- I think his wife was like pretty concerned. Like she was like kind of stressed out about him traveling to this place. Yeah, it's a really big deal that he's going away. They do a lot of like 1920s style swooning and embracing each other and yeah, sighing as they look into each other's eyes. Yeah. 
Um, and so on this dude's journey, he stops at a local inn as he gets closer to Count Orlac's place. And everybody at the inn looks scared at the mere mention of the Count's name when he says what he's there for. Yeah, he like announces it really excitedly like, I'm going to see Count Olaf. <laughs> yeah, he, he's super pumped. Yeah. It's it's Count Orlock, right? Oh, I thought it was the guy from uh, uh, Frozen. Is it is it Orlock or Orloff? I think it's Orlock with a K. Oh, no kidding. Oh, man, I thought it was... I wanted to keep writing Orloff, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, oh, that's what I thought for all. But yeah, you're probably right. Orlock makes a lot more sense, and <laughs> it's a lot less snowmany. Yeah, I'm not going to look it up now, so if we're wrong, we're just going to keep yeah. rolling in <laughs> our own filth. Yeah, that's the way to go. Um, okay, so they also in this end mention that there's a werewolf on the prowl tonight. Then you get this shot of a werewolf. <laughs> Did you realize that this was a hyena? Uh, no, I thought it was like a fox. That was a hyena? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Which I think they were trying to pull a fast one on 1920s audiences who would just assume it was some sort of wolf. Well, were we supposed to assume that was the werewolf? Or was it just like there's a werewolf out so. there, and coincidentally, here's a picture, here's a video of a hyena or a fox scaring everyone. <laughs> I think they wanted that to be a werewolf. <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Uh, um, you know, in um, in the Biltmore, did you come to the Biltmore uh, when you were here? No, I, I think that was one of the things I missed while I was out there. Okay. So the Biltmore, for anybody who's not aware, is the largest private residence in the country. It used to be the home of George Vanderbilt, who was the son of a railroad tycoon. And there's a picture of a rhinoceros in there, like an artistic rendering of what they thought a rhinoceros looked like at that time. And it has like three horns and like armor plates all over it. So... They kind of made more sense to me seeing this. Like, not everybody knew. Like, you couldn't turn on the TV and find out what a hyena looked like uh-huh. on the Nature Channel. Yeah. So I think people didn't know quite as well what exotic animals looked like. Oh, yeah. Right at that time. So, you, so you're saying people might have saw that and thought it was a werewolf. And then if they saw For that... sure. <laughs> and then if they went home and, like, saw one in the yard, they would think it was a werewolf. They're like, werewolves are real. Yeah, I know. Oh man, that's that's kind of frightening. Yeah, but I don't think anybody seeing this movie would have had a hyena in their yard. Well, is that yeah? We're, we're, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. So hyenas are only in The Lion King. Is that a safe bet? I would think they only reside in Africa. Yeah. Uh, Lion King territory. Maybe this movie was distributed there. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. He's at the inn, and he finds this book about vampires that he starts flipping through, Mm -hmm. uh, which will kind of become important later. And the next day, he starts traveling again, and his coachman says he's only going to take him too far. Presumably, he's too scared to keep going further. So from that point, a black coach appears, driven by a figure cloaked in black, who says he'll take him the rest of the way. And as the viewer, you can kind of assume this is Count Orlock because he looks really creepy. Oh, I didn't. I, th- I thought that was Count Orlock's uh, like driver. It, I didn't. It's debatable, but I thought it was Count Orlock. Okay. Okay. Um. 
but and the horses have like black masks on it's kind of a creepy scene yeah for 1922 yep um and so he meets count orlock at the castle he gets there and he eats dinner with him and that night at dinner he's cutting his bread he like clutches the loaf of bread to his chest and cuts it like with the knife towards him (laughs) of course (laughs) yeah yeah. And he cuts his finger and Count Orlok gets all excited and like stands up and tries to suck the blood. Yeah. And Hutter's super creeped out and starts like backing away from him. And then the Count's like, hey, everybody's cool here. Let's hang out for a while. <laughs> yeah. And so you see Hutter sit down in this chair and there's a chair across from him that presumably they're going to sit down and have a chat. But then the scene just ends. So we're left to wonder what happened. Yeah, that was really interesting. Like, as a, it's cr- crazy how they cut the night like right, right there. Um, what, there were some interesting cuts. Yeah, <laughs> in this movie where it was like, oh, I guess we're not going to see what happened yeah, there. I guess that's the end of the scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think if you it was a modern movie and you had the music swelling at that point in time and then screen yeah. going black and transitioning to something totally different, it could have. It's amazing how much you don't realize that music and sound. Mm-hmm. and other subtle cues in a modern movie communicate to the viewer what's happening yeah where we are in the story yeah yeah when you pull those out it's, it's, it's it does make it really interesting uh, yeah that was the most thing. challenging part of this movie yeah did you think like i mean this was the sequence where we we're first introduced to count orlock um did you find him like uh do you think he was like presented like in a scary way because in yeah in a modern day one like it would have been like a huge production but in this one he just kind of shows up and and there wasn't like much fanfare like then like zoom in on him or he didn't like kind of creep up or anything he was just like hanging out there yeah that was a tough thing about count orlock is he was a very creepy in his physical appearance but sometimes he was just there interacting like a normal character yeah right which is how it was in the book too um okay so you don't get kind of like the shadowy creeping aroundness yeah right which, right away yeah yeah that can kind of detract from the scare factor a little bit yeah so he's kind of almost presented as like a normal guy in, in like these early scenes except for that blood sucking thing i'm just a normal guy taking a stand against the nail cutting society yeah exactly were his fingers really long at this point because I, I remember i know later on like they look really long but i don't remember like noticing them so much in in these early scenes it did seem like they got longer yeah oh that part of vampire lore comes from the fact that your fingernails keep growing after you die. So when people would dig up these dead bodies, they'd have long fingernails. Oh, really? Your fingernails grow after you die? Yeah. Really? I had no idea. That's interesting. I mean, I've never checked, but that's what I've read. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that makes sense. See. I mean, fingernails are like dead skin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. Okay. So anyway, so the next morning, now we just cut to Hutter waking up in that chair the next morning, and he's got a bite on his neck, mm-hmm. which he just chalks up to mosquitoes. So kind of left to assume that either he doesn't remember what happened, or maybe the Count bit him in his sleep. Yeah. Um, does does he he wakes up on that chair right that he fell asleep in? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Got it. And. uh and then, and then he's, he, he stays there. He's not leaving. Like, he stays, like, another night. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's not scared away. <laughs> yeah. He's got a job to do. Yeah. Is this how real estate deals like went down in the past? Like you go like have a sleepover with the buyer for two nights and then, <laughs> then you, you sell a house? This is the origination of the slumber party was oh, in yeah. 1920s real estate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> okay, so then later that night, him and the count are going through all this paperwork presumably about this deal on the house. And the Count sees a locket that Hutter has that contains a photo of his wife. And he comments on how beautiful her neck is. Yep. Uh, And then after he sees that, he's like, yeah, I think I'll go ahead and buy this house across the street from yours. (laughs) Yeah. And and by this time, finally, I feel like Hutter's getting a little bit worried about things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, things are. I think he's pretty weirded out at this point. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's starting to see a I pattern. Think generally, as a rule of thumb, if someone compliments your spouse's neck, yeah, you're on edge. Yep. Wait. Uh, on this time, uh, when it, when when they sign that paper, because there's a scene where like he f- he's like wandering the property and he finds, uh, um, the o- Olak like sleeping in a coffin. Was that before this or after this? After. Oh, this is after this? Okay, so, okay, got it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Actually, it's just later that night, so it's almost like one of the next scenes. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, no, never mind. Later that night, he's in his room reading the book about vampires, and that's when, you know, his suspicions start to rise. Yeah. (laughs) And his door opens by himself, and the Count steps through the door and is approaching. Yeah. And this is another weird cut. Hutter hides his head under the covers, and then that's the end of that scene. Yeah. Well, but but and, oh yeah, but, but isn't like something going on at the same time? Yeah. So you do you cut to Ellen, his wife, and she awakes in like a trance, and she walks out onto the balcony of their friend's place, and like steps onto the balcony and is like walking with her arms out in front of her like a zombie. Um, and then she's saved by, I think his friend who she's staying with and she's like shouting Hutter's name. Yeah. Like she can like sense the danger that he's in or something. Right. It's like she somehow was alerted to the danger. Yep. And the next day, that's when Hutter's creeping around the place. Yeah. It has to be during the day, obviously. Mm -hmm. And he finds a coffin And he pushes the lid off the coffin and the Count's there, essentially sleeping with his eyes open. Yeah. And that was kind of a creepy shot. Yeah, yeah, that that scene in, in like, the basement where he, like, yeah, pushed it off. Yeah, that was an effective shot there. One tricky thing about this movie, too, is that you can't tell when it's daytime and nighttime because they shot the whole thing in the daytime. Yeah, that part was tricky. It seems like I think they used, uh, in the daytime, like, it was, like, a red filter, and then at night it was, like, a blue filter, I think that was like the best. Oh, did you have that? I read that on some copies that was the case, but I didn't. I don't think I had that in mind. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I think I, I noticed that pattern, and I, I just assumed that that's why. That that's like how they were trying to tell the difference between like, all right, now it's daytime, now it's nighttime. But cool. You'll have to send me the link to the one that you watched. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, imagine that. Like trying to shoot a scary movie, and you can't even like properly capture the dark or anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, that's tough. Pretty. Um, okay, so he 
gets freaked out, rushes out of that room with the coffin, and then later he sees Orlock preparing a coach with a bunch of coffins, and he, like, climbs into the last one of this, like, pile of coffins, and then the lid of the coffin levitates onto him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some special effects. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I read that in that scene you can see the horse's heads moving in a really unnatural way to show that it was like a whole bunch of shots spliced together, but I didn't notice that. (laughs) Uh, I gotta... (laughs) That'd be funny to watch again. Catch that. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Um, Hutter escapes then. He's like so freaked out. He's leaving and he's concerned about Ellen because this dude's now sending himself to their neighborhood right um, so he escapes through oh go ahead well th- this is the thing I'm, I'm wondering like why did he have to escape like i mean the the counts had left and gone you know took off in this carriage uh why didn't this guy <laughs> just walk out the front door that's a great question i didn't think of that <laughs> yeah it made it look like he was like no trapped idea. like was there like at some point where they told us he was he was trapped in his room or something i, I, I didn't i never caught that yeah i didn't catch that either yeah that's confusing. But yeah, you're saying he, so, he escapes. Yeah, he jumps out of a window that's high up a ways and gets knocked unconscious. Yep. Okay, so then we see the coffin en route at like a port, or all the coffins. And there's a sailor who opens one of them and it reveals tons of rats. And one of the rats bites him. And so then they load the rest of these coffins onto the ship after trying to kill some of these rats. And on this ship, the crew starts kind of dropping like flies, according to pages from the captain's log, which we see on the screen. Yeah, and you don't really see this happening, right? It's just written, I guess. Yeah, you do see, like, the captain and first mate throwing a body off the boat. Oh, yeah, you're right, Mm mm-hmm. Yep. And then in that same scene, I think, the first mate goes below deck to check things out, and the count arises from the coffin. Yeah. And I think is one of the more, like, stunning visuals of the movie. Yeah. It's a cool scene to me. The way he, like, stands up. Yeah. Like, rises up, yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, rises up stiff as a board from the coffin. Yeah. And then... Which I feel like became the, like, signature way for a vampire to get out of his coffin <laughs> yeah <laughs> the cemented, there's no stretching going on there yeah yeah no knees bending or anything just <laughs> no yawning yeah exactly just straight straight up scratching night. scratching his crotch yeah <laughs> yeah it's white um yep although the creepiness is almost ruined the first mate like goes cross-eyed when he sees it yeah it's just like an over overacting startled expression yeah um so then the first mate gets freaked out runs up and jumps overboard and then the captain sees nosferatu lurking on the deck and ties himself to the steering wheel yeah i didn't get why he did that i didn't either i didn't know if it was like a everything's going to hell but i've got to go down with my ship so i'm tying myself to the wheel like Oh. The Captain Code of Honor. Right, right. Yeah, maybe that was the thing back then. I wasn't totally sure of that. Um, mm-hmm. The next day we see the ship land, and then we see Count Orlock exiting the ship and like trying to get to his house carrying one of his own <laughs> coffins. Yeah. 
<laughs> this is kind of a funny scene because he's like scuttling about yeah. landscapes carrying this coffin. Yeah, wander around town with a cop with a huge coffin, like awkwardly like holding <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Trying to find a home for it. Uh one of the things on, yeah. on the boat scene, which I you know I think becomes something that they'll do uh, a few times later, was I think that was the first time you see them using like the shadow of the vampire uh on the captain. Do you, do you remember that the captain like he ties himself to the wheel? And then you see the shadow of Count Orlock, uh, like kind of behind him, so you know, like he's coming up on him. Um, yeah, and they do that when Count the Count enters Hutter's room. Yeah, in an earlier scene too. Oh. That's a really effective. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Way to do things when they just show a shadow. Yeah, that was one of the cooler visuals I thought of of this movie is like the shadow play they had there. Yeah, for sure. I'll get to. There's one that I think is my favorite one and kind of has become an iconic yeah. shot still from the movie Right. later on in the plot. Um, okay, so the Count makes his way to his home, coffin in hand, and then we see a scene of the ship being discovered, um, and people are investigating it. They read the captain's log. And they're reading about how the crewmates are getting fevers and dying. And they assume this is the plague. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they spread word through town that the plague is afoot and the town's in a panic. <clears throat> yeah. And we see white crosses being drawn on doors, which I assume means somebody died here. Oh, okay. And yeah, and you see like coffins being carried down the street people dying and stuff and what wasn't clear to me was was there actually a plague or was it was it just all the count biting people and killing them i don't know this is where i wonder um how much of this movie was supposed to be a commentary on the plague because do you know when that that black plague plague was um shoot we just talked about that in another episode oh um let's assume like 17 it was like this I feel like it was like the 1600s or Ooh, something. Okay, yeah. Or 1700s. Yeah, and, and this one... But... Yeah. I mean, th- this stuff kept happening. It wasn't like the vampires were only with the like the Black Plague. Yeah. Like, there was a vampire panic in the 1850s in New England for sure. a tuberculosis outbreak. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, I, I don't know. Maybe they're uh, being, like, obscure here for... On, on, like, purpose. Like, where the viewer's supposed to decide, like, was it, like, just mass hysteria... Um, it was actually like a, a plague or was it like actually Count Orlock going around and just killing all these people? Right. Cause a rat did bite a dude yeah. in that one scene. Right. And the lore is different in this movie than some other vampire movies. He doesn't turn people into vampires when he bites them. They just die. Yeah. Or don't die. Cause he bought, he bit Hutter and Hutter's yeah. alive and well. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get that. Hutter seemed to be doing okay with that vampire bite. Maybe when people get bit, they just become slightly dumb and don't realize they can just exit a building through the front door. <laughs> That's what it does. It takes away some of your common sense abilities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's probably it. Okay, so we see the town in a panic. People are dying. And then we cut back to Nock, Hutter's boss, who was like in on this scheme to get the count here and he's now in jail or something i can't really remember ever seeing that go down yeah i forget why he went to jail you know there, there was a random like scene here 
Um, do you remember where there's like a professor and he's like talking about like how these uh, plants were like eating meat or like these uh, th- there was like uh, some kind of underwater thing that was like translucent or something, some kind of animal. Do, do you remember this scene? I do, and they did kind of like a close-up on a Venus flytrap eating a fly. Yeah. What what was that about? I could not remember how that connected to anything, so I just didn't include it yeah. in my description of the plot. Yeah, I really don't think But it I think did. it was around this time that they showed that. Yeah, yeah. And I was wondering if, like, is that connected to, like, why this guy is... Because like, suddenly Naka's in, in prison, but I, I was, like, so, like, confused. Like, it just... Like, it was, like, this brief, like, two-minute thing of, of this professor doing, like, random science experiments or showing, like, a Venus flytrap... And then suddenly it cuts to knock and he's like in prison. So I, I wasn't sure if there was like some connection there or not. Yeah, the way this movie is cut, just because they're still learning how to make movies and it's a silent movie. Yeah. It's hard to follow sometimes. Yeah, it really is. Yep. Like they'll show, like in a movie today, you would show a woman like gazing thoughtfully out the window and then you'd show like the moon or the sun because uh-huh. she's like looking up. Yeah. And they do that in this movie, but it just, it doesn't seem to make as much sense. Like, it takes a second for your brain to realize yeah. what's happening. Yeah. Because it seems, like, unrelated. It's just a woman, a clip of a woman looking out her window, and then a clip of the sun in the sky. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's hard to describe in words, but... Uh, do you think it's, like, the continuity of films back then weren't that great? That's part of it, for sure. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right word or not. But yeah, it, and I think it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's just style and the limited amount of tools that were available to them. Right, where it like comes across feeling kind of disjointed at parts. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so so, so yeah, Knox, Knox in prison. Knox in prison. There was some footage of a Venus flytrap that nobody knows <laughs> why it was there, and so he kills the warden and escapes, and we get a scene of the town kind of chasing him around and. That was another thing I was confused about. Like, why do they know who he is or what's his, his story? Yeah, somehow I thought they connected him to the to the, to the the plague and the sickness. But I don't, I don't know how. Yeah, I think so too. I can't remember how. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a loose connection. But yeah, the whole town's yeah, after but... him, almost like in a Scooby-Doo way, right? <laughs> like, Yeah, definitely in a Scooby-Doo way. Yeah. I'm, like, picturing people's feet, like, fluttering underneath them for a while before they actually start moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much how it goes down. Yeah. So then we see Ellen in her room, um, and now the Count lives next door, so we get a shot of him kind of peeping Tom in on her. Mm-hmm. And by this point in time, Hutter has made it back home. And he brought that book with him about vampires that he found in the inn. And Ellen's flipping through it. And she reads something in the book that says, like, nobody can save you once, like, the vampire's been unleashed unless a sinless maiden makes Nosferatu forget the first crow of the cock (laughs) by willingly giving her blood. Basically saying, like, you can seduce the vampire enough so that he forgets daytime's coming. Yeah, exactly. She reads this and, like, opens her window to invite him in. Yeah. And then we get a sweet shot of him ascending, his shadow ascending the stairs with his, like, long fingernails out. And I think that's, like, the most iconic still of the movie. Yeah, you're right. That's a, that's a really cool shot. 
the, yeah. the shot of him. And, and and by this time, Hutter's back, and uh, like he's returned, right? Like I, I don't know if we mentioned that yet, but yeah, he's returned, and she like sends him to fetch the doctor. Yeah. So I think she's just trying to get him out. Yeah. Of the house so that she can do her thing with. Orlock. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Man, I really hope it's Orlock. It, uh, yeah, I think you're right. Um, it's Orlock. <laughs> So then after Hutter leaves, Orlok comes in and you see his, like the shadow approaching her and you see the shadow of his arm, like move up her body and look like the shadow of his arm is crushing her heart. Yeah. I don't. And then she like winced in pain. So I don't know exactly what happened there. Yeah. His, his shadow's got powers, I think. Yeah. I think, he, I think he's able to use that to his advantage. And... So then he gets his drank on and starts drinking her blood. And he loses track of time. He hears a rooster crow. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, oh, shit, I got to get out of here and starts running out of the room. But he passes by the window and then vanishes in a puff of smoke. Yeah, and it's too late. Which I thought that looked decent for 1922, actually. Yeah, he kind of like lights, uh, he like disappears and there's like a fire a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was, that, was, that, was, that was pretty good. From what I could find, I think this movie may have introduced sunlight immediately killing a vampire. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I read that somewhere that in general, sunlight will like uh, weaken a vampire. And then this one right. likes it to kill it. Yeah, I think in the novel, it just weakened him. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um,. And so then Ellen is embraced by Hutter, and I think she presumably dies, right? I think so, yeah. She didn't look too good. I think she was gone. And then you get a shot of Nock saying the master is dead. Yeah. He's back in jail, right? Like, they finally caught him? Yeah, I think he was in jail in that shot. So they must have caught him. Yeah. <laughs> um, then there's some text on the screen that says, The wonder truly happened. The great death ended the same hour and before the triumphant rays of the living sun. The darkness of the death bird was blown away. What what does and that then mean? There's a sh- I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just says like all the death ended. Oh, I see. Like yeah. that morning. Yeah. When he died. Mm-hmm. And everything was better. And then they show a shot of the castle and it says the end. Yeah. Right. That's it. Yeah. Uh so y- yeah. I, you were worried about this going into it, and I was like, oh, it's good. <laughs> but then, the yeah. first half of this movie, I was like, oh, this is pretty rough. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a slow start. I feel like the last, like, 10, 15 minutes, like, they pack a lot into that, between, like, the the town, like, going into hysteria, and uh, and, and the vampire giving chase, and knock, like, uh, running all around. Uh, they really packed they a lot did, into the They did, especially, end. yeah, especially for how slow it started. Yeah, yeah, definitely takes a long time to warm up and, and get things going. But I, I think the beginning is carried well by this guy's acting, uh, Hutters. Uh, I feel like he's got, like, a good energy and presence where, like, he's kind of, like, this stupid, like, young, naive guy who's just, like, really excited to be going on this deal and announcing it to everyone and, you know, kind of skeptical about what everyone's saying. So I feel like he kind of gives it some momentum in the beginning. But there, there's definitely a lull, I think, in the middle. He was what made it hard for me in the beginning, actually. I felt like his overacting was tough to watch yeah but yeah. i understand that's just kind of the way it was back then yeah right 
greats. I, I feel but like... this guy especially. Yeah. I read he was the third choice oh, no for kidding. this role. Uh, that's got to suck to have that on paper. It's <laughs> part of your yeah. career. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 I chalked a lot of that up to the time and the the, the nature of silent films. But maybe, yeah, maybe you're yeah. right. He, he could have toned it down a little bit. He was just kind of like watching like a kid do something. Yeah, for sure. And it was just a bit disorienting, like watching a silent film and the way it was cut. It it just took some adjusting. But mm-hmm. I think towards the end of the film, I was both adjusting to the watching experience and the pace was picking up. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I don't know why it took him like two or three nights at that house. Like, I feel like they could have condensed this all into one night. Uh, they, they, yeah, he didn't need all that time there to to like, you know, figure out that oh, this guy's a vampire and uh, he he sucked yeah. my blood one night. Like, I mean, that could have been one night. Yeah, and even the storyline with Knock was kind of unnecessary. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't end up being crucial, really. No, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah, that they, they could have just been like a normal real estate guy. Uh, who just got yeah. a normal written letter that wasn't symbols. <laughs> like, let's go get this guy's house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> impossible. And how did you feel about how much we saw of Nosferatu? It, it was limited. Like, what would you say? He's on the screen for like 10, 15 minutes for the whole movie at the most? Uh, I read that it was nine minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's cool. And that includes, like, s- uh, the scene where they're, like, sitting at dinner talking. Most of that nine minutes was probably then. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's it's cool that he was kind of, like, this background character that um, is, like, driving the story and, like, that people are scared of, but you don't see that often. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. At the same time, if, if he was around more, I don't know if it, it might it might have, like, dulled down his appearance. He might have gotten used to it more. So maybe that, that, that actually worked out better. What, what about you? What do you yeah. think? Yeah, I think I agree. Part of me wanted to see more of him, but that probably would have ruined it. Yeah, unless he had like some really cool interactions or something. I, I think that would have been cool. But I think Yeah, that... more creepy interactions between him and Cutter during that three-night stay could have worked out well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, got, got the normal. <laughs> Traditional real estate slumber party. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, you know, maybe had they maybe they went out for coffee the next day or something, or you know had had some more background conversation. There's yeah, there's room in there. So, yeah, from a character development standpoint, I I, I thought this was kind of weak. Uh, there wasn't a lot of like uh, like background in any of the characters. No, there wasn't. The story was pretty thin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I which is another good reason to just cut knock out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, did you find like any parts of this particularly scary at all? No, I'm going to repeat what I read in a lot of places. Like a lot of people say it's not scary, but haunting. Hmm. Yeah. And I would say that's maybe about true. Like the images are kind of haunting. Yeah. They're kind of just cool. They are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the best way to describe it. It's, it's, yeah, I feel like, the, cool. uh, and, and the, by images, you, you, you mean like the way he was, like the counter lock was done up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the way he was shot and the shadowy yeah. stills. and Yeah. Yeah. That's, that stuff's pretty memorable. I, yeah. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know if it like scares you, but it's, it's like really cool and like kind of artistic. I feel like the way it was done. Yeah, for sure. It has a very artsy feel to it. Yeah. Right. Um, how did you feel about the score in the version you watched? I thought it was just okay. Like, I thought it could have done more, been more dynamic with what was going on in the plot. Yeah. 
but I don't listen to organ music that much, so maybe <laughs> it was. This is as dynamic as organs get. Maybe. Yeah, it just kind of like faded into the background to me after a while, but how did you feel? Uh, yeah, there, there were certain parts uh, that I feel like aligned up like nicely or like where the rhythm would change like with what's going on in the scene, but uh, I, I would say for the most part, it didn't feel too connected to what was going on. just kind of felt yeah, like your general agreed. score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, uh, zero to five, where hyenas? <laughs> what do you give this? <laughs> oh, man. I got to be careful on my next uh, trip to to Africa to keep an eye out for those where hyenas. Uh, I, I would probably give this like a two and a half. Um, just, just given, uh, you know, it was really original for its time. And I, I think for its time, it, it was actually done really well, like with the, with the effects and, and the storytelling and, uh, and, uh, the, yeah, the, the, the overall dialogue and everything. It, 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 it made sense for like a silent film in the 1920s and the only silent film that I've seen, uh, a horror silent, silent film. So I'd, I'd give it a two and a half. What about you? Cool. Yeah. I'd give it a three. Yeah. I probably started off around a two or two and a half, but by the end I was enjoying myself. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It really picks up at the end. I, that's, I was, I was really happy about that. Yeah. Last five, 10 minutes or so. But yeah, nice. Anything else? Bef- no, good, good, good pick. It was, it was good to watch a classic, man. It wasn't, it wasn't as painful cool. as I thought it would be. <laughs> At some point we'll do the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Oh no. Come on. <laughs> it's only one year prior to this. So. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll brace myself for that. Cool. All right. Well, that's all for this episode, folks. We hope you enjoyed today's discussion about Nosferatu. Um, If you want to join the discussion, you can follow Horror Movie Club Podcast on Facebook, and we're at Horror Movie Pod on Twitter. You can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com, and make sure to check Facebook or Twitter for next week's movie in case you want to watch it beforehand. And our logo is done by Amy May Pop Art, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you're sent to a remote castle for a real estate slumber party, maybe make sure the photo of your spouse in the locket you carry with you is a really unflattering one. <laughs> yeah, especially maybe like especially unflattering in the neck area. Maybe like a turtleneck or something. <laughs> there, no, that's the solution. Yeah. <laughs>